every generation there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. and welcome to Conversations with Dead People, a post-mortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. Uh, my name is Paul, I'm your host, and I'm typically joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we make our way through the critically acclaimed series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off series Angel. Uh, this week, uh, it's time to start a whole new season with a whole new title sequence, um, all new themes, an entirely new cast, uh, well, no, not entirely. Some of those things are true. Uh, what is true is that we're kicking off uh, Buffy season five with the first three episodes, Buffy versus Dracula, Real Me, and The Replacement. Uh, and joining me for the very first time on the podcast uh, is Dax Stokes, librarian, college instructor, and host of the Lord Ruthven award-winning The Vampire Historian podcast. Dax, welcome to the cemetery. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so your podcast, uh, yes. the, the Vampire Historian. I may already know the answer to this, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask, why did you... So you reached out to me a while ago, actually, mm -hmm. uh, and said, hey... If yeah, you... probably pretty pretty early on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very early in the process. And uh, you were like, hey, if you don't have anybody lined up for that Dracula episode, I'd love to join you. So uh, this has been on the books for a while. Uh, like I said, the vampire sure. historian probably speaks for itself, but why did you reach out to me about the Dracula episode? Well, it's not because, you know, it's not the best episode ever, but um, one of the things that I've kind of focused on, and especially when I started my podcast, is in the areas of vampire dumb that I uh, work on a lot is Dracula related. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of have a, an affinity for Dracula the character, and, um, you know, that episode... Uh, and some of the interesting things that surround it have just always kind of been interesting to me. And um, so I said, hey, a, a new a new Buffy podcast. I had been helping a little bit with the uh, or been in contact a little bit with, um, you know, uh, David Bushman's podcast mm -hmm. that you you interviewed him already. And uh, so we, um, you know, when this one kind of started, I was like, oh, I'd like to, you know, I haven't really tackled Buffy yet on my own podcast. So maybe I can go somewhere else and do it. <laughs> and the Dracula, <laughs> Dracula episode. um while the the Dracula part may not be um, super important to the overall Buffy story, it's one of the most important episodes of the last three seasons, and, you know, for other reasons, and, uh, yeah. which we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you're. Uh, I'm on your podcast podcast website, which uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for our listeners, um, and. It says uh, that your podcast is a discussion of the vampire in history, folklore, literature, television, and film. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I imagine I've only listened to a handful of your episodes. They're great, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, but I imagine that Dracula comes up a lot. In fact, on your website, the sort of background image is the that very iconic shadow of uh, 
Nosferatu of right. Max Schreck, who is technically Dracula. Dracula. That's he's, right. He's supposed to be Dracula. <laughs> yeah, and my first episode, uh, you know, covers some of the the myths about Dracula, um, and because um, that's kind of where I was getting my uh, my start. In um, I've I've been doing vampire stuff regularly now for about nine years, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I've always been in, interested, but um, I was asked to give a lecture at the college where I work um, on some kind of topic in October, and I had a couple of vampire books at the time. Uh, now I have hundreds, but at the time I had three or four, maybe. And um, I was like, yeah, Twilight was in its its, its heyday, so I, <laughs> I, I did a lecture on... How we got from Vlad the Impaler to uh, Twilight. Interesting. And, um, that kind of started it off, and I did that lecture about four or five times. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started doing other lectures, and uh, somebody finally said, "You know, have you ever recorded any of your lectures?" And um, I said, "No, but I, you know, I, I really like podcasts. I just got into listening to podcasts, and um, I said maybe I can just start my own podcast." And I worked with some other people on figuring out the name because. There's already a vampire librarian website. There's already a vampire professor website. There's all these other ones that I looked at first, you know. And um, we came up with The Historian. And um, I started my podcast the same week that Aaron Mankey started Lore. (laughs) (laughs) Very different, obviously. Yeah. He's doing doing all right. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's, he's not doing bad. So I... uh, um, I've me- I've mentioned I think in passing on this podcast a few times. Uh, I'm sure my audience is rolling their eyes at, at my downplaying of this, but I do a handful of podcasts. Have done mm-hmm. a handful of podcasts over the last decade, and uh, I occasionally I suffer from imposter syndrome all the time. Like I never feel like I you know deserve to be where I am or, sure. or whatever. But mm-hmm. I also I also just have this minor little uh, there's there's just a I don't know. It sort of grates on me that uh, I've been doing podcasts for 10 years and there are podcasts out there that within their first two or three episodes have like 500,000 followers and right. and have book deals and movie deals and TV series mm-hmm. and all that. And I'm like, oh, man. six figure Patreons. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, it, me too. Uh, yeah. But I'm excited. I just hit, you know, 20,000 total downloads. Nice. Yeah, over four years. And for me, I was like, whoa, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Why are people listening to this? You know, and, and I've started some other podcasts that were short-lived, but um, uh, two. But yeah, this is this one. And I, it's not regular. You know, I know I was listening to just listening to one of your episodes where you're taking a little bit of a break. And I'm like, oh, two months is nothing. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm taking some longer ones, but. Uh, scheduling is a nightmare and i i've sure. been told i've been told many many times and i've seen in practice many times that you know the the one of the top secrets of podcast success is regularity and i, right. I just can't do it i just can't do it right especially well, you have a theme that kind of can keep you regular you know i, I yeah. don't really have that so you know at least you know you've got this number of episodes you want to do you know because yes. it's fine you have a finite series for the stretching text. It is finite, but it feels yeah. like it's stretching out ahead of me for the rest of time. But Oh, well, yeah, especially if you add Angel in there. <laughs> yes, exactly, which is actually what I'm working to. Anyways, mm-hmm. all right, so this is all fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I, wa- I want to ask you really quickly, uh, and sure. we, can, we can get more into it when we actually start discussing the character as he appears in this mm-hmm. episode, but um, favorite Dracula in fiction? <laughs> 
on on film um, on, on screen i guess yeah let's this, do on let's do on screen this yeah. is a funny one because a lot of people think i'm weird but it's a tie and i, I so one of the things i always say is that every generation has a film dracula right you know you've got lugosi then christopher lee then Frank Langella for a lot of people. Yes, my my, know, my mother and, my mother was obsessed with Langella. My mother is up. also obsessed with the that's why I had him into vampires. <laughs> yeah. My mom loves Langella Dracula. And then, you know, and then Gary Oldman for most most of us. Right. Um and this generation doesn't have one that's settled yet. You know, they've there have been some attempts. And maybe the BBC Dracula will will do it next year. Um we'll see. But uh um so for me it's it's interesting. It's a tie between Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. And Leslie Nielsen. Oh, wow! <laughs> I I love Dracula Dead and Loving It. I don't know what it is, um, but the combination of Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen and Dracula is just that's one of my favorite movies. That is fantastic. So I have seen that film, but probably mm-hmm. not since it came out. I think I've only seen it once. Oh, it's it's definitely worth a revisit. It's um, you know, it's such a parody of the uh, Coppola film. But it does include a lot of the other things. But Leslie Nielsen is just it's, that's just one of my favorites. I use scenes from that in a lot of the lectures I do. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's 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 a great uh, that's one of my favorite ones. So the two of those combined, I think, are good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like I like most of them, but um, you know, Gary Oldman's the only that's still the only film that's really captured the visuals of the novel. Yeah. Um, Dracula visually. Um, some of the other ones, you know, mainly uh, Louis Jordan's version is the is the most close to the book. Mm-hmm. But um, but Gary Oldman's the only one who actually shows Dracula in all his forms that appear in the novel and things like that. And so that's that's probably you know visually that's still going to be the best one. That is that's a fantastic pairing. Um, I know Dracula Dead and Loving It doesn't uh, take advantage of this, but a lot of people forget that Leslie Nielsen started out as a dramatic actor, <laughs> right? And was and was a fantastic dramatic actor. So, yeah, I think I mean Police Squad was the first comedic role he had. I think. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, let me let's do the spoiler warning, and then we can get into our discussion of whether or not Ru- Rudolph Martin uh, how he <laughs> how he stacks up in the Dracula canon. So. Uh, Conversations with Dead People is not a typical rewatch and review podcast. We're going to be exploring the plots, characters, and themes of each episode in depth and within the context of the series as a whole. That means spoilers and lots of them. So I recommend if you haven't already watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and ideally Angel the Series all the way through at least once. Press pause. Go do that. Come back. We'll still be here. Uh, And with that taken care of, uh, if you're ready, Dax, let's go to work. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to start off with the biggie. Uh, <laughs> the season five premiere, Buffy versus Dracula. Um, Buffy, apparently, this is something I haven't really paid a lot of attention to uh, personally um, over mm-hmm. the years. The notion that uh, the apparent cliche that Buffy season openers tend to be among the weakest, like season openers mm-hmm. aren't always the strongest things. Um, I, I, I haven't really thought of that consciously, but I guess that is the uh, accepted trope of the Buffy verse. And yeah, I mean, there's some good things in this uh, episode. Um, you know, there's some good lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I would say that, you know, all three of the episodes we're going to talk about are, are big Xander episodes. Um, I mean, one of them obviously, but even the first two, 
Um, he's got some great. I'd say Xander is almost the star of, uh, you know, in, in certain ways of all three of them. Yeah, um, I agree. Which is, which is Xander has taken a, a bit of a a drubbing on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and and amongst the fandom, I think over the years, um, and so I feel like the character certainly in season four was kind of sidelined a little bit. I mean, he was around, obviously he played his, his uh, critical role in the finale of that season, but I don't know. It's just, it's just nice to see uh, Xander kind of get to be the, the funny man again. Right. Well, I think in that, and I know, I know you haven't put up the finale episode yet. I don't think. No. Um, but you know, that's, maybe this redeems him a little bit. Cause that last episode, you know, his yeah. dream is a little, uh, not redeeming. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 <laughs> at, I mean, at least is, not, not today. It wouldn't be he, right. Yeah. No, I mean, he is, he's still Xander Harris. He is still right. Xander Harris from, from 2000 now being viewed through the lens of 2019. But, mm-hmm. um, at any rate, so how do you feel about this episode? Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Cause you know, the, it starts off, you know, in a in a strange kind of strange way, just mm-hmm. I mean, you get two things. You got you got that very opening scene where obviously Buffy is going through something, where she has to get up in the middle of the night, go out, you know, kill something, and then come back, and then then she can sleep, right? Because she's obviously not sleeping after the whole finale of season four. Um, but then they go and play at the beach, and it's a really kind of a strange overall you know opening there. It was um, weird. We don't see our we don't see our guys like in bathing suits uh, playing on the beach very often. Right. <laughs> so not not really. Um, but then, uh, you know, there's but there's so much going on in this episode. Um, you know, Giles is going to leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, of course, the ending of the episode, which we will get to. Um, but there's 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 a lot there. And then Xander kind of you know showing that he's susceptible to so much and then at the end deciding that no this isn't going to happen anymore and then of course two episodes later complete opposite of that happens again but it's um it's really interesting but so we've got this you know <laughs> what i love is the fact that all of a sudden there's a castle in the <laughs> yes. middle of sunnydale and and was it there before bless and they mentioned that i think yeah. bless, bless them for the, calling that out in the episode yeah right for Riley and, and Giles saying, you know what I haven't seen? I've been, lived here for a while. You know what I don't remember seeing? A big castle? Yeah, a big right. honking castle in the middle of Sunnydale. And, um, you know, the, the one thing I like about, you know, anything about this episode, the, the one redeeming quality for sure is that the initiative is done. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've talked about it a little bit, but se- season four definitely is my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get the one or two big episodes there, like Hush and stuff. But, you know, I I, I remember even when it was on TV, I just... I didn't have, you know, I did not enjoy watching. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not a Riley fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, I'm rather famously a Riley defender, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I, he's okay, and, and he starts to be better now, but, you know, I just, the whole, the whole Adam season was not my, right. It's not my favorite. Right. Um, but we do get some interesting, uh, Dracula esque things. So we, you know, you've got the, the delivery guys, they, they drop the casket full of dirt. <laughs> Dracula pops his hand out there and um, we do get some of, of the novel ideas here. Um, Dracula can turn into a bat. He can turn into mist. 
Um, those are things from the novel that aren't done very often. I mean, bats for sure, but in the novel, he turns into mist, you know, once or twice, mm-hmm. and it's in the Coppola movie. But, and the um, and the wolf, which I think right. is done even less frequently, maybe than mm-hmm. the mist. <laughs> but and um, so we we kind of get that. Um, but he's definitely taken in this, you know, show. Um, they've got the romantic idea of Dracula, which is not in the novel, but um, is in pretty much every film version post Frank Langella, at least. Right. He's the 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 first one, and so everybody swoons over Dracula in this episode. You know, including Willow. You know, and Terry even says, "What you you thought Dracula was sexy?" Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Willow, Xander, everybody kind of falls over him. Um, it's and it's it's interesting because so Rudolph Martin. To, to talk about him as Dracula, yeah. Uh, I guess he, he had been on um, All My Children with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, I at think some point. I, 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 so I never watched All My Children. Me either. Uh, <laughs> but I, I have always been aware that um, that's where Sarah Michelle Gellar had come from. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, apparently they were. Um, were they married on that show, or they were romantically <laughs> together on that show? Yeah, least. I'm not sure because, like I said, I didn't watch it either. Um, but the, the 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 more interesting part is that um, this episode premiered in s- September. On Halloween, the very same year, USA did a TV movie called Dracula: Prince of Darkness, starring Rudolph Martin. Yep. Same hair and everything. So I don't know which came which filmed first. I'm assuming the USA movie probably did. I th- yeah, I think the USA film. I think they filmed it the year before, and it just didn't mm-hmm. appear until. And uh, so it's, you know, I don't know if that had something to do with it, that maybe there were, maybe somebody was trying to make him the new Dracula. Um, the USA film, though, actually, is, you know, its focus is on Vlad the Impaler mm-hmm. as a character. I don't, have you seen it? Or not? I, I think I watched it at the time, and it re- mm-hmm. really was just out of curiosity that, hey, this, this, this is the guy that just sure. put Dracula on Buffy. Um, I don't yeah. remember it at all. I just remember not being impressed in either sure. case with Rudolph Martin. <laughs> Right. So overall, it's not a bad movie. They, you get all of the um, the real stories about Vlad the Impaler in there. Right. Um, the historical. You know, the historical character. Yeah. Uh, the, they do at the end, and only at the very end of the movie, after he dies, um, and not exactly the way that the real Vlad died, They in this movie they say the church and his brother killed him, but his brother was already dead. Um, but he he does come back in the very last scene as a vampire split <laughs> second and they take a shot of him with fangs and the movie's over. I did not remember that at all. There yeah. has been, there's no discussion of vampires at all in the entire movie um, or any of that stuff, but they put it in there at the very end. And I don't know if it's, you know, just to tie it into Dracula or there, you know, in Romanian folklore, if you die as an apostate or a heretic, which is according to them, what he did because he had converted Mm-hmm. Um, to Roman Catholicism for help from Hungary at the end of his life. And so in that movie, the Orthodox priests were trying him for being an apostate. Mm-hmm. And so he dies in that manner. And so in Romanian folklore, you would come back as a vampire um, in in the folklore sense. So I don't know if that's what they were going with, but yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of that. But he, he did this role, you know, very similar role twice. And on the Buffy episode, they do mention him being Vlad the Impaler. Um, which is not, you know, which is what my whole first podcast episode is dispelling. But um, that <laughs> it's, Bram Stoker didn't really know about that. But, right, you know. <laughs> right. It's also, 
it's also interesting that so in the so the fictional version of Dracula goes by count mm -hmm. uh, the historical version so Vlad Tepish was not a count he was a prince right um, and the fact that I don't I don't know I just I was trying I thought maybe there was something interesting there with the fact that the show is uh, trying to place him as the historical Vlad Tepish, but they call mm -hmm. him a count and not a prince. I, I don't know. It's well, you know, and that comes from the fact that Stoker, um, he had already written most of the book before he changed the name. So his character was already called count Wampir. Oh, okay. <laughs> and before he ever read about Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Um, and so once he read that, he saw the name Dracula and you can see in his notes, he marked it out. And wrote Dracula in there. So he had already decided on the count part before he ever read about the original guy. Um, right. But but yeah, so it's so it's so they're they're tying him into that. Um the things I that I find interesting is that they build him up to be a big character, you know, and um number one, I think when, when Buffy meets Dracula, she's a little bit too quick to just accept it. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, I'm Dracula, she goes Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, no way. And I was like, "Yeah, no more questions to make <laughs> to confirm." But um, you know, they don't make him. He's not actually the big, um, important vampire that you would think uh, of, and especially with Spike's backstory. You know. Yeah. That that it's all pa tricks and Ponzi bugger owes me eleven pounds. Right. Yeah. Which I think the big downfall of this episode is that they never put them on screen together. I agree. <laughs> Completely um, because agree. you give that whole backstory and then they never, they never appear. Now I do, I, I believe that I've never read them, but I think Dracula comes back in one of the comic seasons. Oh goodness. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know which one it is. Um, but I, but I'm pretty sure that he and Buffy see each other again at some point. So I think those are some of the things that, um, you know, they kind of missed out on, you know, he, obviously he, though he is this extra level of a vampire. He, he does at least have these magic tricks um, that he can, you know, come back from mistaking twice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and presumably more because he starts. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So th this episode is so it's so weird. It tries to have its cake and eat it, too. And I, and I don't know, maybe it's successful. I don't love this episode. Mm -hmm. Um in fact, I remembered really, really not liking it. I remembered disliking this episode quite a bit on this, <laughs> on this rewatch. I liked it more than I remembered, but still, mm -hmm. I, I still don't think it's a very, a particularly good one. Um, but like it does re it does, I think a fairly good job of reintroducing the characters for anybody who, for some reason is tuning in for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, plus one. <laughs> right. Um, and like like we already mentioned, it it gives many of the characters, including Xander, some some pretty good comedic moments, some pretty standout mm -hmm. moments. Um, Xander's whole "I'm done being everybody's butt monkey" thing. Right. All right. I've got that. Yeah. And uh, check. No more butt monkey. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that. Buffy says. That is a that is a great line. His whole <coughs> his whole turn as the 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 Renfield of the episode right. is, is hilarious. Um, but the the having have its cake and eat it too thing. Um so maybe the show does it well maybe it doesn't i'd kind of like us to discuss this that they want to have their cake which is they want to introduce the in all caps 
vampire <laughs> with a capital V by bringing right. Dracula into the canon. And they have the characters, uh, the characters are both, you know, laughably dismissive, like, like Buffy says, get out and uh, yeah. whatever. Um, and, and obviously Spike has the whole Ponzi bugger thing. Um, so the, the show wants to deal with, uh, Dracula with a cat, you know, the, the, the count. Um, but it also has to, um, demonstrate and, or remind us that this show doesn't really care much about classical vampire tropes. <laughs> right. So he has to be, they have to walk a line between him being a genuine threat, um, and him being just a goof. Mm-hmm. And it's... I don't know. It's, maybe at the time I, I was uncomfortable with the way they found that balance. I don't know how mm-hmm. I feel about it now. How do you feel? Well, you know, one thing I know is um, I read an interview that, you know, David Solomon didn't like Rudolph Martin at all. Mm. And he didn't, he even said like, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why we chose him. Right. <laughs> there, he wasn't his choice, but, um, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the way he, you know, the way he did that acted out the character or what, but yeah, the things that, you know, at least it does kind of pull off this idea that um, Buffy isn't invincible. She can still be, you know, um, she still has some areas, you know, where she can be kind of persuaded. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, she does end up, I mean, she goes so far as to even drink Dracula's blood. Right. Um, of course, it ends up having the opposite effect that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she she takes it that far to, um, you know, let him kind of to be there uh, and you know come into her room and then she she follows through with it um but yeah there's a lot about it you know I, you you would think yeah the dracula would be the biggest but you know they've already set up you know in the in the buffy verse you know that you know but angelus is the right baddest vampire of all time right you know dracula can't have have anything you know nearly as close so he's just going to be this kind of romancer but it also, you know, gives a chance for, you know, Riley to kind of see that, you know, yeah, Buffy does have a type. <laughs> and yes. and and this is even pre season six and seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, typing. So uh we we definitely know that she has a type of you know, over over the course of everything. Um so you know, he he gets some of these storylines happen and it's enough of her vulnerability to where she does have to come back at the end and say to Giles, I was wrong. I do need you. Mm-hmm. You know, I need you to be able to watch her again. And, and he decides to stay. Um, because Giles, and and most of the episode, you know, he has, he's the one who gets uh, hooked by Dracula's wives, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, he does have that great scene where, you know, Riley's pulling him out. And he goes, oh, wait, I think I, I, think I left shoe. my shoe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go back in there and get that. So, you know, he's there for that kind of comedic thing. But, it, there are some important things that come out of that, that Buffy realizes her darkness, you know, um, that she's been hunting instead of patrolling, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of that comes out because of, um, what she sees actually when she drinks Dracula's blood. So yeah, he has his, his part to play, Oh yeah, but it wasn't played very well. Another <laughs> thing that I think that would have been great that they could have put in is, um, him coming to Buffy's house, you know, um, earlier and getting, when Joyce getting invited in, in, yeah, that would have been, uh, you know, something extra. They, I mean, of course, time is 
hard, yeah. but I'm sure there's something else I could have left out. Um, but yeah. overall, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to look over here. Let's see. You know, Xander quickly turns, though, you know, so much as to, you know, be willing to take Buffy straight to him. <laughs> right. It doesn't take much to uh, to control him. Yeah, no, I, li- uh, I like that. As, as, not... as Anya knows already. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so you you uh, you mentioned the whole uh, Buffy's darkness thing, which is mm-hmm. the... So this episode, along with just sort of the goofy reveal that Dracula exists and he he is what he is in the Buffyverse, uh, there are two major reveals that happen in this episode. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them at literally the last possible second, and we'll right. we'll get to that. But the big one, I think, and the th- one of the things that um, uh, it was set up. I mean, arguably, it's been set up several times over the course of the series up to this point. But it was specifically. Uh, they put a flag in it at the end of season four, uh, the whole nature of the slayer power and, and uh, it being rooted in darkness. And that is really brought home and really becomes a focus uh, of season five, starting here in this first episode Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, Dracula gets the, the lines about, um, uh, what does he say? They have this, they, well, basically, they have the same nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Buffy and Dracula share a, a dark nature, pretty much. Um, yeah. Man, I had that quote pulled out. Um, uh. <laughs> well, anyways, um, so at, at the end of last season in Restless, um, there was the whole, there was a scene where um, in, I think it was Buffy's dream, <clears throat> she's standing in the foreground uh, and unbeknownst to her in the background behind her is the first slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she is saying, Hey, we're not demons. Uh, and just the way that scene is shot with, uh, the first slayer right behind her, slightly out of focus with a very, with a very sinister look on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think maybe even at the time I remember looking at that scene and going, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 <laughs> we're not demons are you mm-hmm. are you You're right um and then yeah. obviously uh later down the line you know and once more with feeling spike is going to have a line where he says the sun sets and she appears which is you know that could just be played for laughs that could just be a funny uh or or accepting uh tone from spike but it also says what it says the sun sets mm-hmm. and she appears um and um what else did we get um Tara in Restless at the end of last season said that whole um uh you don't even know or you think you know man I swear to god I had all these quotes <laughs> here it is you think you know what's to come what you are you haven't even begun now the weird thing is I always remember that line the way Dracula says it mm-hmm. um and so even in when I was writing out my notes for Restless I wrote in the quote the way Dracula says it here, which is he reverses it. He says, you think you know what you are, what's to come, which to me makes more sense. But Tara mm-hmm. says, you think you know what's to come, what you are. You haven't even begun. But the fact that they repeat that line, and like you said, Dracula says something about uh, you're a creature of darkness like me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, uh, of course, the, the show is going to get way darker now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I mean, the uh, last three seasons. Yeah. Definitely. And then in season, in season seven, like – towards the end i think it's pretty close to the end of season seven i think we 
very, very explicitly, they straight up answer the question of exactly how dark the Slayer power really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, so I may not particularly care for Rudolph Martin <laughs> as the character <laughs> of Dracula, right? but um, he does get some uh, important, he gets to set the stage for some important stuff. He gets to, mm-hmm. he gets some significant lines of dialogue uh, it's it's a short you know the when i went back and rewatched it i forgot how short it felt though it's such a little amount of time i mean he really just has three scenes almost mm-hmm. um you know after the major scenes he's there's just the two one the one in her bedroom and then <laughs> and then the ending scene and i just i remembered it being a lot more you know for some reason but uh it's, it's seems like it was so such a short amount of time um for all that stuff and and a lot sillier and yeah um you know his death and i don't know if this was a callback um you know it may have just been a callback to the movie a little bit of you know their way to throw that in but you know it just it totally was the peewee herman death from Buffy the movie <laughs> yeah you know he just keeps coming back and coming back and yeah um that that's it's the first thing it reminded me of and i was like oh, that's a nice little callback i guess but which but, by, it was, but but it seemed way out of character all of a sudden yeah for some reason um which by the way just to put a time stamp on the to to place the recording the date of recording this episode mm-hmm. um on a calendar are you watching what we do in the shadows? The oh yeah, I was going to bring it up if you. If you... <laughs> so have you seen? It. Have you seen the most recent episode? I did. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I've been posting stuff about it on on my Facebook. Page okay. For the All right. Yeah. Just. Uh, yeah. No, I thought that was um, a little Pee Wee Herman. I was really happy. Yeah, glad to see him there. Yeah. And, uh, and all of them. I mean, it was actually I was just reading about um, how they made that in in true fashion. How Wesley Snipes was the last one to agree. Of course. And uh, all this kind of stuff. His people told them, don't ask him to put on sunglasses. He doesn't want to do it. And then he showed up with them on already. But, it's, you know, typical kind of stuff. And But I thought it was interesting the way they did that and yeah. how they called them all by their real names. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I love that. A, it was good. But, yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. But that, the, the Dracula's death, though, it just reminded me of that. You know, she's like, I've seen all your movies. You know, I know you're going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and I'm still here. Um, it got a little bit silly there at the end, but you know, when somebody says butt monkey, it's going to get silly after that point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the sick of being the guy who eats insects and gets the funny syphilis. That's, right. That's a great line. Um, all right. So obviously the, the big revelation that really um, I've said many times over the course of this podcast, I don't have a clear memory of how it felt to watch most of these episodes, the original time. So I don't remember how, I don't remember mm-hmm. what my response was to the final yeah, scene of this episode, either. but um, watching it now. So uh, I, we've already said a little bit about Riley and how you're not a fan and I'm more of a fan of Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously we'll talk more about this when we get into the next episode, um, mm-hmm. but Dawn shows up in the very final scene of no. Buffy versus Dracula. <laughs> and I take it from that, that you are not a Dawn fan. No, but, okay. it, but, but this is what, you know, obviously this is why this episode is important. Yeah. You know, you could, you could throw the whole, Dra- you know, she could never meet Dracula. Right. And, but you know, because of this scene, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it just, it changes it all. <laughs> well, so unless, unless there's 
anything else about that episode you want to say we can we can move into the dawn episode no just i mean i mean just the uh you know the way it happens and they do have that 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 great ending i do think which is good which is just their way of saying like uh we're not going to explain this at all and they're both like you know she's like do you take your sister and they're both like mom yeah (laughs) yeah and it's and there it is yeah so and uh we don't get to know what that's about until uh no a week later yeah well even 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 more really to know what it's about uh well yeah that's true um uh, so yeah, right. moving into real me, which, um, I, for some reason, I always think that that episode title refers to the next episode, which is the mm-hmm. Xander twins episode. Right. And I think, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know, um, or listeners correct me. Um, I feel like I read real me was actually originally meant to be the title of the Xander episode. Hmm. I don't know that. But um, I don't know. I don't know how it got switched to this, but maybe that's why I've, I. Keep well, I mean, it. they do have her. I mean, that is one of her first lines. Nobody knows the real me. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah, nobody knows who too, I am. Not the real. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I I'm just doing everything I can to dig my own grave. We're in a cemetery. I'm going to dig my own grave. <laughs> I'm I'm more of a Riley defender than most of my guests and probably mm-hmm. most of my listeners. I'm also similarly much more of a Dawn fan than most of my guests and probably most of my listeners. I, you know, I, I, I'm totally fine with probably Dawn later, uh-huh. you know, but, um, and maybe it's just a teenage, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, have, <laughs> I have almost a uh, Dawn age daughters. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Well, well, okay. Let's, let's jump right to that then. So one of, so I don't mind Dawn and I don't think I really minded her at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But on, on this rewatch, as I'm going back through this, I'm figuring out what um, I am kind of having an issue with her now. And I suspect it's what most people's issue with her was. And most people just never managed to, to move past it. And that is her, the way she is characterized on the show. Mm-hmm. So she's introduced at the time she's introduced, she is, 14 years i think they specifically say yeah, she's 14. 14 years old in fact she has the great line of uh babysitter i'm 14 i'm old enough right. to be a babysitter which is which is symptomatic of what i think the problem with the way dawn was initially handled is and that is she's 14 years old which is pretty much the same age that buffy was when we first met her i think she was 50 i think buffy was 15 when we first mm-hmm. met, meet her on the series and, i think so um and Dawn is portrayed as significantly younger than Buffy right. ever was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure some of that is just the, I'm sure there is a natural dynamic of if you're an only child at 15, you probably seem more mature than if you are the 15 year old sibling sure. of an older, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm sure there's an age dynamic that plays in there. Um, and plot wise, they need Dawn to be the the annoying young sister. But I just mm. feel like that aspect of the character, the fact that she is helpless and super annoying and does mm-hmm. nothing but get in trouble and talks in the most juvenile, like annoying younger sibling manner that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I feel like so much of that is is overplayed that sure. it does a it does a significant disservice to the character of Dawn and uh, makes it very difficult for a, a awful lot of fans clearly to ever get on board mm-hmm. with her. 
Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, like I said, when we meet Buffy, she has already she already is the Slayer, so mm-hmm. she's got a little bit of she's had some time to mature before. Um, yeah, but you know, it kind of makes you think. I, now you've gone through them all, so I can't remember exactly when it is that Joyce finds out. You know, oh. that Buffy's the, that Buffy's the Slayer. Mm-hmm. What's it's, what season it, is that in? It's three. I'm pretty sure it's season okay. three. So then, you're thinking that then when does when would Dawn, as her sister, have would have found out? And so yeah, that's the thing that I think the um, the not the show creators of Dawn, but the fictional creators of <laughs> right. Dawn in in the show, you know, didn't um, you know? It's probably I, I'd say the writers knew what they were doing because you've got these you know as we find out later, the, whoever created Dawn. Um, you know, probably didn't understand the dynamics of how you put a fourteen-year-old girl into a family where the older one is a killer, right? And obviously, she would have known because Don knows mm-hmm. already. But it's kind of silly, you know. She's like, "Oh, and your sister's the Slayer," you know, and <laughs> it's a. Uh, but you would think that there would there would be that maturity with with her too, because this wouldn't be the first time that she would have been in danger. But you know, being created, mm-hmm. they didn't put that part into her, you know, the the background that she should have had. Right, and I and I don't remember how much I don't remember how detailed an explanation we get. Um, so this this is perhaps uh, actually addressed once we meet, like once we find out what Dawn's origin really is. Right. Maybe exactly. this maybe this stuff is addressed, but at the moment I can't remember. So what mm-hmm. I what I think I remember is that the the forces that create dawn mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh jonathan's um world altering spell from superstar where uh he didn't he didn't intentionally direct all of the minute changes that happened he just he wished for an effect basically and the the magic made it work however it had to mm-hmm. i always think that that's kind of how dawn was created they they didn't um the the monks or whoever i genuinely don't remember who creates her yeah the the people that create her don't study buffy summers for years and and like read her biography or whatever right. and figure out all of the details that they need to address they just let the magic do it for them mm-hmm. i think is what happened um and i suppose we could fan wank the idea that um that dawn as a 14 year old seems so infantilized um right by by her own behavior but also by the other characters and i would say even by the writers at times mm-hmm. um we could fan wank that as she's not actually 14 years old right, right. she is literally moments old right exactly <laughs> she genuinely is an infant uh and so some of her behavior doesn't necessarily reflect an actual 14 mm-hmm. year old girl in sunnydale but still it's just when I when I got to this episode and I remembered, I know that I defend Dawn more than a lot of people do, and then I start seeing how she behaves in this episode, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, she's super annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. <laughs> it, it's awkward for me because I'm like, no, damn it, I just I feel she has an episode later on. And I don't remember what the episode is, mm-hmm. uh, but there's an episode coming up in the not too distant future where she has a great line where she cuts herself and she says, um, "Is this is this blood mine or is this blood real? Am I real or whatever?" Um, that performance in that scene in particular, but her performance in that episode, whatever episode it is, uh, I feel like was the real turning point for me. 
mm-hmm. um, where it I, it was meant to be the turning point for a lot of fans where you suddenly realized, oh, this Dawn character really is kind of a tragic character. And I don't know how many fans actually got turned by that. But I do remember thinking, this is really powerful. This is really poignant. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always held on to that. And I always try to view Dawn through the lens of she's a tragic character. Right. The problem is that not only is she portrayed as being super annoying, uh, but her her <laughs> presence, uh, her addition into the show also affects the characters around her. Mm-hmm. And so specifically, <laughs> we get a return to Joyce being the clueless idiot parent right. that she used to be back before um, she got let in on the whole Slayer stuff. Like I was pretty merciless to Joyce in the first couple of seasons of this show and how annoying she was as the cliche uh, clueless parent. Mm-hmm. And it's just frustrating that introducing a 14, a brand new 14 year old daughter into the equation kind of sets her back a little bit. To that right. Point. Um, and it also sets back Buffy just a little bit. Uh, one of the things that an, frequently annoys me about Buffy is how much I'm going to get pushback on this is, <laughs> is how, how much she, um, she struggles with the whole, you know, sometimes I want to be a kid and curl up on mom's lap and not worry about mm-hmm. saving the world, that kind of stuff. Right. That's a thing that she comes back to over and over again. And at a certain point I'm like, damn it, can we just move past this thing? And it, mm-hmm. it kind of felt like we had, especially with an entire season that the whole point of that season was, leaving childhood behind and going to college and becoming an adult. Mm-hmm. And now here we are the first episode or second episode of season five. And she literally has that line again. Right. Well, eventually you'll get past that. <laughs> I, know, I know, but <laughs> I, I, it's, it just, it bugs me. So that's the stuff about Dawn that kind of irritates right. me. It's not necessarily the character of Dawn herself, but I feel like just the, the way she's integrated mm-hmm. at the moment. Well, and of course she makes all the, um, classic mistakes all in this first episode yes you know i mean she she invites the vampires into the house accidentally i mean it's an accident yeah you know she she really pushes on going into the magic shop she freaks out with the homeless man yeah all the she just kind of definitely plays the character as a very helpless you know and clueless person Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) which which can again make and of course then you know, almost get yourself killed, but, uh, you know, somehow, somehow harmony is dumb enough to not do it. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, but there's, you know, there, and there's, there are, again, these first couple of episodes of the season always have to do this stuff to set up, Yeah. you know, everything. And so, you know, they've got to replace, their place of business, you know, or of study. So that's with the whole magic shop thing coming in, mm-hmm. um, you know, Giles has to have something to do. And uh, <laughs> so let's just kill, let's kill this guy. Which I have to say, I, <clears throat> I, I have to say, I mean, plot wise, I get exactly what you're saying. They, they mm-hmm. need, it's a new season. We need some new sets. We need some new locations. Right. We can't constantly, we can't have every scene set in uh, Giles's apartment. But it seems pretty ghoulish. It seems pretty ghoulishly opportunistic mm-hmm. to find a fresh corpse 
Oh, sure. In the magic box, and within minutes, uh, be considering purchasing the magic shop. Yeah. Oh, well, he finds the he finds his ledger. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you're like, oh, there's a dead guy here, but look at these profit margins. Right. Great. Yeah. So. And he's just bought his little midlife crisis car. You know. Yes. Which so is interesting we're... timing. Last episode, he was planning to move back to London. Right. Or England or exactly. whatever. So when did he buy the midlife crisis car? Well, I guess the the day after Buffy said she needed him. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> he's like, well, if I'm staying, I might as well go get this little convertible. So it's it's you know, and then we you get the you know, this kind of idea that all the other vampires are mad at Spike. Right. You know. Which um, we saw a little bit last season. Right. And, uh, you know, but he doesn't seem to care. It's it's interesting, though, because going back and watching some of these episodes, I don't remember which one it is. If it's this one or the next one. Oh, it's the next one. It's the next episode. Um, but, you know, Spike is still like... I, you know, he's still dead set on killing Buffy. Yeah. You know, at this point, and it's 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 really kind of funny to go back. It's the same, you know, the same thing with Harry Potter. You know, and um, I but my kids finally just finished them all, and I was like, finally, we could, you know, we could talk about the character that gets redeemed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and isn't the bad guy all the time? But um, so you get the, it's kind of hard sometimes to go back and you're like to see these earlier ones and and how everybody. It's different, but um, they ha- and and harmony too, because you know harmony eventually gets a little better. <laughs> she 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 has an she has an arc later on, right? And then uh, yeah, um, so well let's okay, let's talk a little bit about the Tara gets a line in this episode where um, uh, she talks about the whole outsider, the feeling like an outsider. Thing. Right. And she's specifically talking about, about Dawn, but mm-hmm. um, obviously that uh, translates over to Tara. Um, first of all, I want to say, I'm sure Amber Benson's a lovely person. I've actually met Amber Benson. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Birmingham. She's from here. Anyways, um, she's a lovely person, but is it, is it worth wondering just for, a, just for the briefest of moments, what it must've been like for Amber back then, um, whose early arc involves her character not feeling like she belongs or like she's been right. accepted as part of the group. Uh, and then Michelle Trachtenberg is dropped into the show and instantly in her first episode gets put into the opening credits. <laughs> right. So in that sense, I, you know, and I noticed that in, you know, I'm thinking, you know, and that's obviously part of the story, right. Is to make everybody think that she's all, you know, yes. even the watcher, the viewer, is supposed to think that oh you know, yeah she's a main character she's always been there right yeah <laughs> but uh yeah I can that's that is interesting you wonder how much she had you know whether Amber Benson had any kind of who wrote the, David Fury wrote this episode but um you know how much she may have communication they had about you know the character arc and. I don't remember. I don't remember how long it is before Amber makes it into the opening credits. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's this season. That Mm -hmm. I may be mistaken on that. Um, Listeners may correct me, but I I feel like it's later in season five when she finally shows up in the credits. Maybe not six, not till six. But Mm -hmm. at any rate, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure she wasn't (laughs) upset about it, but but it is just ironic. But I mean, her though. um, It's a good point though. Whether she had any kind of influence over the the dialogue or anything because that's as an actor right <laughs> how 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 you feel and especially because for 
you know, they're just starting to get over. I mean, which episode is it where, again, it's in one of these first, I can't remember now. Did I write it down? You know, where Willow is trying to, you know, say something and Xander goes, oh, if it's about you and Tara, everybody knows. Or whoever it is that says that, you know, and that's finally, because in the last season, that's, obviously, um, in, her, obviously in, in her dream, it wasn't that way. <laughs> I th- yeah. think maybe that was actually Buffy versus Dracula. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's still um, you know there's still a stigma there. Also, also in the Buffy versus Dracula episode, uh, Joyce, um, it's in the the sort of goofy reveal that uh, that's how Dracula got into the house was that Joyce invited him in. Um, she says something about um, sometimes I wonder you know, what does she say. I don't have the quote written down, but it's something like uh, you know sometimes I just wonder if. Uh, it's worth giving up on men altogether. You, you girls will discover that eventually. And, uh, (laughs) and Tara and Willow, of course, share a little look. And then, and then in one of these next two episodes, I don't remember which one. um, Oh, it's it's this one. It's this one because uh, Dawn says, you know, I once commented that I, I, I love Willow and Tara and I wish they would teach me what they do. (laughs) And then mom got really quiet and told me to go to my room. (laughs) So somewhere between the two episodes, obviously Joyce has figured out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, like it's, so it's, you know, it, that's her character's gonna eventually be, you know, brought in. But you know, as now she's still just, she was just that friend of Willow, right. you know, and yeah. teaching her I, to be a witch. I, I have these, I have these like half-formed thoughts. I mean, listeners know all my thoughts are half-formed, but I have these, <laughs> I have these half-formed thoughts about. um Buffy and the gang. So, so one of the things you mentioned harmony and and one of the things that harmony serves, at least in this episode, in this story is she's one of the metaphors. She's symbolic of a remnant of Buffy's past. She's right. And and, I mean, even more so because they throw in Brad, what's his name? Brad Connick or Connick or whatever. (laughs) The guy that clearly used to bully Xander uh, is one of harmony's minions. Um, so basically Buffy and the gang are trying to grow up. They're in college. They've left high school behind, um, Mm. literally twice in the last season, they left high school (laughs) behind. Um, so this is symbolic of them growing up, growing into adults, uh, by us seeing them sort of easily dispatching these remnants of their childhood, Mm. uh, these bullies or whatever. Um, the problem is, and, and, I, I struggle with this, with the Scooby gang, with Buffy and Xander and, and the whole gang all the way through the series um, is their journey from outsiders into insiders. And the fact that the Scooby gang eventually starts treating everybody else like outsiders or whatever. Right. So we get these examples, these metaphorical, these symbolic examples of them growing up and moving past their childhood and easily defeating the bullies of their, their youth or whatever. Um, but I don't, I personally, as a viewer, don't think that the characters actually do grow up at, at least as much as or as quickly as right. as these kinds of encounters are meant for us to kind of accept. Yeah. And B- Buffy even has that line of whatever it is that she tells Harmony is like, well, you know, you, you can't remember, you know, basically that she you couldn't do it when you were trying to be the cheerleading captain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you know, you're not going to do it. You're going to succeed now, but yeah, it's a, you know, coming, 
yeah the always always kind of going back to that which is funny when you put it in a perspective of like the the movie you know too because right. that's what buffy was right yeah. and uh in the show she's the the awkward outcast but um yeah it, that's that's a good point because they do um yeah there's just the transition where they become the they become the cool people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which which is what the you know we get in the next episode, <laughs> right? Uh, well, if cool Xander, that's right. Let me. Um, oh, uh, it's worth pointing out since since you are the guest this week, I needed to point out um, in the episode right after the show introduces Dracula into the Buffyverse mm-hmm. canon, um, we see Spike. I'm almost positive. I haven't confirmed this online anywhere, but just from rewinding the scene and watching it a couple times, I'm almost positive that when Spike is in his crypt and he's like trying to get the the TV to work, mm-hmm. what he's trying to watch that looked like the 1922 Nosferatu to me. Oh, I'll did you see that? Look, I'm pretty no, sure. I'm... I'm pretty sure it was the stairwell scene with the shadow and all that. It's possible. I have to go back and check that out and see. Um, yeah, because it's you know, and it's always. It's weird because they do address in in the uh, you know kind of like that what we do in the shadows episode they they address Dracula as in you know he's the real vampire but also he is the character right you know, that the, the, the character does exist that all the Dracula movies exist in the Buffyverse yeah and the real Dracula himself so that's um, that's that's kind of interesting uh, take on that um, I'll have to go back and look and see what it is he's watching. I'm pretty sure that you never know. Yeah, but um, and then so obviously uh, we can't get out of this episode without at least acknowledging. I'm sure all my listeners already know, but we should acknowledge mm-hmm. that this is that the appearance of Dawn is the payoff of um, things that have been hinted at uh, in th- episode 322, Graduation Day Part Two. We had faith in. Th- we had Dream Faith cryptically refer to Little Miss Muffet counting down to 730. 730 obviously is two years. That's how long it took before mm-hmm. they introduced Dawn into the series. Uh, this episode gives us a callback to the Little Miss Muffet thing when that homeless guy refers to her as curds in a way. Right. Um, so anyways, we just needed to acknowledge that. Yes, we <laughs> caught that. We caught that. Um, let's see. What else do we get? Anything interesting in here? Um Dawn says, I could save the world if somebody handed me superpowers. <laughs> um, I watched Passions with Spike. Let us never speak of it. Okay. Right, which is, uh, yeah, I was, you, you discussed, you guys mentioned that in the last episode, I think. What, the think Passions? Mickey, the Passions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a recur- that's a, a, call, a joke they call back several times over the series, yeah. I think. Um, and then, obviously, the last line of the episode is the the voiceover from Dawn as she's uh, writing back in her diary. She still thinks I'm little miss nobody, just her dumb mm-hmm. little sister. Boy, is she in for a surprise, <laughs> which is meant to play much more ominous than she meant it as she was writing it in her diary. Right. Yeah. Because she doesn't right. know. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, all right. So unless there's anything else, I guess that we can move into the the next one. No, we, we just get our, our teen diary episode and it's over. Yes. And then, and then she's not even in the replacement. Is she, I guess, I guess she gets a, brief yeah, she scene. is. Yeah. That she, she, and she, and yeah, no, she's definitely in, uh, Oh no. Yeah, she is. I've got a note here that she, she and Buffy getting a little squabble. That's right. That's at right. Home. Yeah. I think I'm in the hallway. 
the hallway isn't in your room. Yeah, 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 exactly. And she's got that great line. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite Dawn lines, at least so far is, uh, when Buffy and Riley are kissing and she's making gagging noises. And she says, right. my friend Sharon's older brother knows a girl who died because she choked on her boyfriend's tongue. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's another uh, minor annoyance I have with, or I, I think that I'm going to have maybe. This may be corrected mm. as my memory gets refreshed, but I feel like in these early episodes that kind of set Dawn up as being pretty smart. Like she plays, uh, she plays chess with Willow. Um, she loves school. She talks about that's Willow's her favorite mm-hmm. person because she loves school as much as Dawn does. And she gets that. That seems like a pretty smart, snarky line for a 14 year old younger sister. My friend Sharon mm-hmm. told her. Um, I feel like she's dumbed down significantly as the show goes on. Right. They stop. They stop letting her be as smart as I feel like they were initially setting her out to be. But anyways. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So on to the replacement, which um, three of the big, the three of the heavy hitters uh, kicked off this season. It started off with Marty Noxon, then David Fury, and here we are in a Jane Espenson episode. Right. Yeah, um, they, <clears throat> they got some of the definitely um, experienced people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably the best of the three. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Of the three. Yeah. It's definitely the, the most fun to watch. Yeah. And, um, it's got some, you know, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite lines is from this episode. <laughs> Which one? Buff, Buffy says, if Xander kills himself, he's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, they're great. There's some great, uh, I, I try to write down quotes from every episode, and I've got a pretty right. long list of quotes from this one that were great. Um, I, I wanted to mention, just because this is one of those silly little details that I always try to pay attention to and, and figure out if there's some hidden meaning to uh, the episode opens with them uh, with Xander and the group watching a movie. Right. And so I immediately was like, oh, what is, what is the movie? What are they watching? And it took, mm-hmm. it took a long time for me to track this down, but uh, apparently it's the duel from 1971. And so I immediately went to research uh, the duel, which is also known as duel of the iron fist just to see if there's some sort of significance to why that is the show that they're watching. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could come up with, um, smarter listeners uh, may be able to point me to something, but uh, the only thing I could figure out is that the film deals with two brothers. That's literally the only (laughs) significance I could find um, Mm. between the plot of that film and what's going on in this episode is the fact that it deals with two brothers. Hmm. So I, I don't know. If uh, yeah, I mean, anything. I mean, in in the episode, it's kind of there to to serve as Buffy's little chance to critique the <laughs> right. critique the fighting, right? Know, and yeah. uh, kind of give. But you know that whole that whole scene is weird, and you you, you know I kind of sit there and wonder like, how often do the four of them just sit around watching movies together yeah. as two couples like that? You know, it's kind of kind of odd, and obviously Anya's already her annoyance levels pretty high up already mm-hmm. right from the right from the beginning um which is a kind of a, a main main theme throughout the episode so that's one of the yeah. things one of the things i forgot this episode did and i liked that this episode did is um i i've said in previous uh podcasts that i haven't always been the biggest anya fan like i don't think mm-hmm. I've, i don't think i've ever hated the character of anya but at the most recent Slayage convention, uh, Slayage conference, someone presented a paper about Anya that really won me over, and I'm, 
I'm on this rewatch. I'm much more of an Anya fan than I originally mm-hmm. was. However, in these first few episodes of this season, some her her snark started to reach a tipping point. <laughs> like right. some some of her attitude, like especially the way in this particular episode, the way she's mm-hmm. treating Xander. It's the usual kind of uh, materialistic uh, humor that we've gotten mm-hmm. from Anya, but there's just something about it that but, was yeah, a little and, over the top here. It, but they, you know, they do address it though, right? And that, um, and that's what I yeah. forgot. This episode did is that they right. they they have that wonderful moment where where the the smooth she, Xander, she only has she only has fifty years left, right? Right. The suave <laughs> Xander figures it out, right? Um, and that uh, was just a, a a lovely moment with Anya that I'd forgotten even existed. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's she's an interesting character because um, you know she does go through several changes, and of course we get the the later episode where I think it's it's the later episode where she goes with the frat house, right? That's a I think that's later on. I can't remember at all. I can't remember what that is. I think it's where she where she reverts for an episode. To being a vengeance, to, to, oh, to yeah, De Hoffren comes and back. She and she kind of and... slaughters, yeah, she slaughters the whole frat yeah. house. Well, oh, Lord, I think that's season it's... seven. I think that's season yeah, seven. Yeah, I think it's, it's much later on because yeah. it's, a, I did a rewatch of season seven a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that was the last time I rewatched a whole season, I think. So it's, yeah, it's later. So, yeah, she's an interesting character because some people, uh, again, you know, like Dawn is just another character that just gets added just there for right. a little, a little bit and then, you know, gets in with the group quickly but it still always has these issues but it is funny to you know she has all these her first human her first broken bone and right you know all these kind of things because in in a way it's 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 very similar to dawn because she's she's also young and as far as being a human goes i i i do want to point out (laughs) um i i can't remember was it the episode that Nikki was on recently where we talked about the, the, the sex episode with the, Oh Lord, what was the, it was the season four episode where uh, Buffy and Riley were having sex and the ghosts in the, in the frat house. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it was, well, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, mean, I, I haven't listened to that one. I can't remember what episode that was of the show or of the podcast, but anyways, <laughs> in, in that episode, I do remember uh, mentioning how odd I thought it was that there's a scene where all of the vines have grown up the staircase to, to keep people from getting into the bedroom that Buffy and Riley are in and Anya is walking up the stairs and uh, a gigantic thorn like pierces her hand. And it's a gruesome, gruesome wound that she like flinches away from, mm-hmm. but then is never ever once referenced again. Like we, I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't think she even has to bandage her hand, even though on camera for the, for the brief second that we got to see mm-hmm. it, it was pretty wicked. <laughs> um, but yeah, in in terms of plot, I guess this is this is where she suffers an injury. That um, well, if uh, you know, if 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 Game of Thrones can have their coffee cup, then well, okay. then they can have their little <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Which they've had, which they edited out. You know, I don't know if you saw that, but they quickly went online and edited that cup out. <laughs> oh, for real. Yeah. So now, if you rewatch the episode, it's actually not there. It's not there. Oh my goodness! Come on, guys, just let it. At least that's what I. That's what I saw. I didn't. I didn't go and rewatch it to see that, but I saw. That seems like saw the headline. That seems like a lot of work. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So it's. um, But yeah, Anya is. You know, she's creating kind of. 
part of the the tension, you know, by mm. she wants this apartment. She doesn't understand why Xander can't get it. You know, she's just telling him, just do it, just do it, just go get it. Mm. You know, just pay all pay all the money, pay whatever you want. Because she doesn't know what's going, he'll, you know, how any of this works. He'll take it. Go get the furniture. I'll wait here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to say, it's always uh, it's always fun, good times when we have Joyce make comments about her her headaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which actually, this might be the first time, but I, I have it in my head, no pun intended, I have it in my head that this is a thing that plays out a few times where Joyce will just make some casual reference to having a headache or, oh, you girls are going to be the death of me or whatever, something like that. Yeah. And I'm always, at, now, with hindsight, I'm like, oh, man, that's just rough. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because yeah, here she's saying it's, her teenage teenage girl headache, yeah. Her teenage daughter headache, but yeah, that's true. Because uh, I mean, how much longer? Um, is, not, is it this? It's this yeah, it's season. not too much longer. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, I've never put that together either. It's only a handful of episodes away. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought of that. Um, that before. Uh, she has a lot of, you know, she. It's. I think she probably had fun the the in this these kind of last episodes, and of course in the season finale where she gets to play the cougar, you know, right when she gets to sex up Xander, yeah, and uh, it's she's got a, some some good little parts in these these things going, but um, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. I th- it, yeah, I think she's back. So I I I'd mentioned um in in a previous episode that one of the reasons we didn't get as much Joyce in season four. I mean, plot-wise, it's because it was all about the characters going to college and, and moving on. But mm. uh, real world, real worldwide, she, it's, it's because uh, she moved right. to Europe, right? Yeah, yeah, she spent a year in Italy, and I think at this point in the filming, she's back. So that's why mm-hmm. that's why we're getting a lot more of her. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I listened to an interview with her where they talked about that. Yeah. Um, all right, so we we've barely said two words about the two, right. the two yeah, Xanders. We obviously that's what the episode's about. We need to talk about that. So, right, so yeah, who, we've got so this is we've got these three episodes, which is really funny because two of them, the goal of these characters is it's time to kill the Slayer. Right. Yeah. You know, Dracula's goal isn't to kill her necessarily, as to I don't know make turn her or yeah. turn her, make himself a, a, a dark bride or whatever. Or, yeah. Conquest, but you know the but harmony like we're going to kill the slayer tonight. That's what we're going to do, and then this one Toth is like, I'm here to kill the slayer. This is this is my job, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, yeah. The the Toth Toth is kind of um, well. I mean, he's the MacGuffin of the episode. <laughs> he's the right. He's. I guess technically the bad guy, but the way the episode plays out, you spend most of it expecting one of the Xanders to turn out, like the suave Xander to right. turn out to be the real bad guy. Um, right, and they even yeah they try to they definitely try to set that up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but at least but at least he's it's funny though because he's Toth is the bad guy, but he um, but he's a focused one, so you know he could easily have killed Giles. But right. he says, you know, you're not the Slayer. You know, I'm only concerned with the Slayer. <laughs> so, so he, he's focused. I'd say I'd say it's ironic, but it's really not ironic. In fact, Xander even gets the "Who wants to join me for the I told you so" 
serenade or whatever, however mm -hmm. he says it at the end. But so Giles buys the magic box and immediately right. almost, almost dies. Yeah. Immediately <laughs> a, a, a demon pops up and, and could have killed him right there. Right. But anyways, so again, don't remember what it was like watching this the first time. I don't remember how, I genuinely don't remember if it was common knowledge or how quickly it became common knowledge that Nicholas Brendan had a twin brother. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I feel like it's pretty common knowledge on the fan base now, but at the time, mm -hmm. do, do you have any recollection when you watched the first... Did you watch this on the, its original run? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I started watching Buffy probably with the second episode. Okay. All right. I, I was in college and somebody said, come over and watch the show. So do you, do you remember watching this and, and thinking, wow, their special effects have gotten really good. <laughs> um, I think I probably assumed already that it was a twin because really, um, I mean, there wasn't that much of that stuff going on back then of, you know, what was that? I was just watching something even more, more recently with a twin where I was like that. I can't tell if it's the same person or not. But, you know, they, they do look a tiny bit different. Yeah, there is you know? very subtle difference. So it's, um, you know, it was, uh, I think I probably, maybe I figured it out then, but I can't, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I just, I, I cannot remember how I responded to it at the time, but I have to assume, knowing how dumb that I am, I have to assume what probably happened is, you know, we've seen, I mean, this episode even makes a joke out of the fact that we've already had the Willow twin episode mm -hmm. a couple of times, actually. Um, and I know in Doppelgangland there was, we got shots where both Willows were in the scene. Mm -hmm. um, and it was pretty clear. I mean, it was, it was well done for the super low budget that Buffy had at the time. Sure. Uh, but it was pretty clear that it was the same actress green screened mm -hmm. into a scene with herself. And so I just imagine going from that and then this, and, and I have to believe that I would have thought, wow, they really, they really upped their game. You, you can't really, <laughs> that doesn't really look like a green screen, green screen. Congratulations guys. But you know what? I will say that I think I may have forgotten though. And when I just watched it this week, I'm not sure I remember that he had a twin at first. <laughs> it because is it's been that's been that long since I watched, you know, since the first time. It is one I of those. It. it is one of those details that completely goes yeah. out of my mind until people remind me there's an episode where there's a a Xander twin, and then I'm like, mm -hmm. oh wait a minute, yeah, he's got an identical yeah. brother. That's right. Especially yeah. because um, yeah, he was actually here this week in Dallas. Uh, oh yeah, I did doing one of his little. Um, you know, uh, now he's doing watch parties. Last year it was bowling. Now it's watch parties. He's and, not. Um, he's not having a good day. Yeah. So he uh, he he was here this week, and I, I almost went, but I couldn't go. Um, but it's uh, it, you so you forget that there's that he has a brother because of all the, you know, all the stuff that's been he's been going through all these years. But yeah, and it, it rarely comes up in the stories. But yeah, I don't know. But I I now that I'm thinking about it though, you can you can. I can see that there's that they're different, you know, tiny little differences. Yeah, well, uh, Brendan has said that uh, most of the time he played both characters because there mm -hmm. were only a, a handful of times where the characters are on screen together. Right. And those were the times when it was uh, his brother Kelly Donovan was there. And yeah, there are scenes, in particular the the last, or not not even the final scene, but the scene in the apartment. 
mm-hmm. after Buffy shows up and she like throws them both over right. against the counter and they're standing next to each other. In that scene in particular, you can see just subtle, like I think Kelly is a little, the tiniest bit taller yeah, right. and a little bit thinner. His face is a little bit thinner maybe, but, mm. um, but even so it's still pretty impressive. And I, I haven't done any research, so I don't know if Kelly Don, I don't know what Kelly Donovan has done since then mm-hmm. or if he's doing anything now he's like you say he's not in the news we hear right we hear about nicholas brennan all the time and i i don't remember reading anything where like his brother has come out to give a statement or anything right. like that so i don't know if this was like his last acting job or what but uh yeah could be <laughs> i i apologize <laughs> if anybody out there is a huge fan of kelly's kelly donovan's uh, vast career that i am unfamiliar with <laughs> But, you know, and in, in relation to all this, the, while all of this is going on, um, we have the, <laughs> you see, you see different parts of it, but eventually you realize that Spike is making this Buffy mannequin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, um, you know, later on would be for something else, but in this one, it's so he can kick its head off. You know, he kicks the head off the mannequin. He's like, I'm going to. I will taste your blood. Yeah. So that, that was a weird moment on this rewatch for me when he started doing that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, does that start this early? Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I did not remember that they started that whole thing this early. And then when he (laughs) kicks, when he kicks it apart, I'm like, Oh no, no, it's, we we haven't gotten there yet. But, (laughs) but I do wonder, as I often wonder as I'm doing this podcast series, how much of that the writers already knew. Right. Like to me, it seems pretty obvious that that is a clear setup that we're going to see him with a Buffy mm-hmm. mannequin a few more times. And, and eventually he'll be holding the Buffy head saying, right. Oh Slayer, just you wait. And then he'll plant a kiss on it or whatever. I don't remember how it happens, <laughs> but um, yeah. So to me right now, I'm like, well, obviously the writers <laughs> knew where they were going, but I don't know if they did. Like, right. I, I don't know if that's just a happy. Well, I think it's this that I've, I trying to remember if this is the show. And I think I heard, I think it was David Fury's interview on a different podcast where he, if I remember correctly, they would sit and meet at the beginning with Joss and all the writers and they would flesh out the whole season. Right. You know, so uh-huh. story wise, and then they would each go and write their individual episodes. But I think that's, you know, they kind of, so probably, yeah. you know, they've, they've got that but does that, figured out. But does that happen in, uh, I, I, apologize well yeah when, it, it must happen this season it has to happen this season well season yes i mean i mean that is the, introduced season, in season, this season right and yeah. season six is when obviously when she comes back but right yeah um but i was gonna say it, they had to have introduced the idea because right. at the end of season five spike is totally devastated mm-hmm. so yeah, so it's coming. Yeah, at, yeah at so some you're point. right. Yeah, they knew what they were doing because you're absolutely right. The writers' room they do break the, they they break the season at the beginning and they sort mm-hmm. of and that's when they assign the writers the the various scripts. So, yeah, obviously they knew what they were doing. But we don't, um, don't know so why yeah, so I ever get, questioned. Yeah, <laughs> so we get the split Xanders, which we you know eventually realize is just his personality basically splitting. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've got well, I wrote them down as. New Xander and weak Xander. <laughs> New Xander and weak Xander. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I. That's that's kind of what I called them in my notes. Um, so New Xander is the one who gets the promotion and the apartment, and easily convinces Buffy and Rock, Giles and Riley that, you know, he's the real one. Mm-hmm. 
of course, once we, we find out that they both are the real one, but, um, you know, in week Sander basically is able to convince Willow. Right. Uh, not even sure if he convinces himself, but, uh, you know, um, but Anya obviously likes the new Xander. That, so that was a scene that, um, obviously they didn't, or I, I shouldn't say obviously, cause I don't remember, but in within this episode, they didn't make as big a deal out of it as I expected. That was a scene break. I think when, when uh weak Xander bursts into the apartment and, and the two confront each other and mm-hmm. uh, Anya, like weak Xander is like, you know, it's me. You can tell it's me. Please don't do this. And Anya for just that moment before we, I don't remember if it's a cut to commercial or if it just switches to another scene, but Anya mm-hmm. clearly chooses for mm-hmm. just that moment, she like backs away and and leans into suave Xander, new Xander, and says, right. make, "Make it go away." And like on this rewatch, not remembering exactly all the beats that were going to happen, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that is super dark." Yeah, like that must be crushing for for weak Xander. But um, they pretty quickly brushed that off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I totally though noticed, you know, <laughs> you know, it's. She, of course, I wrote down that she likes him and that she's worried about this. So it's a little bit, even before that though, she obviously, you know, is intrigued by this new. Um, yeah. But she doesn't really show that she notices a difference. Just that, like, because again, if you think of like we were saying earlier, she's a little simple-minded, right? And, you know, so she's just saying like, oh, you know what? He did it. He got the apartment and the. Um, he did what I told him to do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and she's happy about that, but you know, we find out that she's all worried about her, about death and that's, you know, what's, what's been kind of pushing her through most of the episode. But then of course I, I loved at the end where, uh, you know, once Xander's, you know, complete again and he's, she's refusing to help move boxes. <laughs> yes. You know, he's like, Please pick up the box. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like... Again, don't remember how how well they follow through on this, but this is clearly where they were attempting to establish uh, that Xander is growing up a little bit. Um, we we get the... A real-world situation, uh, you know, manifested on the show metaphorically or I should say a metaphorical thing manifested physically on the show Mm -hmm. by having these two different aspects of a character split and interacting face to face on screen. And once they're reintegrated, it seems like Xander now is on a path. He's got an apartment. He's got a, he's got a job. Um, His interactions with Anya and Riley at the very end. And we'll have to talk about Riley's little, Right, bombshell exactly. at the end. His interactions with them, and I feel like at least for some of the rest of this season going forward, um, seems a little more uh, uh, mature, I guess, or or adult. He seems a little bit less like the the spider eating butt monkey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. But like which I said, ex- I, I don't which is exactly what that line was supposed to set up. I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Uh, before I forget because I was going to bring this up when you mentioned Spike's uh, Buffy mannequin Mm -hmm. um, this episode also gives us a couple references to evil robot doppelgangers 
Right. Yeah. Which, which um, is another thing that's coming. <laughs> right. Because Xander, he keeps saying, like, it's a robot. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> There's um, always some foreshadowing somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I say before we get to Riley, though, I think, okay. the, you know, a couple of things to say about that. The, uh, you know, the, the integration scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, you know, the, the, the best part, I think, is, you know. Well, it says, everybody ready? Let the spell be ended. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> yeah that, I thought that was great. I wrote that. That's, a, that's another great quote out of this one. Um, but also, uh, you know, just still going on with the this idea that Anya is this symbol. She, in this episode, a lot of what she does is kind of take on the um, the qualities of what we would think of uh, as a man, <laughs> you know, especially there at the end where she's like, I'm just going to take these two Xanders home right? <laughs> yeah, for a while. Yeah. And, the, and then I'll return them. After right. We've had our crazy menage a trois and uh, it's, it's a, uh, you know, kind of funny. The, the things that she focuses on, um, you know, are these very just simple, simple kind of animalistic urges, you know, she wants to, or, or just basic human qualities. You know, she wants a place to, to be, she wants to have her life, no, no, not die. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could remember uh, way more of the that Anya presentation that I was talking about at the Slage conference um, mm-hmm. because I, I feel like this must have been addressed in that uh, presentation. But mm-hmm. it's interesting you're talking about you're, you're very correctly pointing out that a lot of Anya is presented uh, in a more masculine way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that's the the former demon. Well, I, I don't know, yeah. but um, like Xander is often feminized. He's he's, right. he's gendered more feminine on the show. Typically, it's one of the the mm-hmm. sort of um, the subversion of expectations that the show has always done. And so Anya, it makes sense that Anya is kind of in, behaviorally presents a little more masculine, certainly mm-hmm. than Xander. Um, and it's so weird that I had just said in this. I, I don't usually have anything against Anya, but in this episode, it almost kind of pushed, like she pushed some of my buttons. She was a little mm-hmm. more annoying than I feel like she typically is. And one of my thoughts was, one, I wondered if one of the reasons is they really, really almost overreached with um, her being the cliche uh, sort of gold digging female. Mm-hmm. Like she was really uh, like, these are elements of that Anya has always had and they, it's usually right. played for laughs, but here it seemed really weaponized the way that they had her be mm-hmm. um, very naggy, very nagging and, and, um, and pushing Xander to provide. And she only wants him for his money and all that stuff. And like we already said, obviously that is clearly the episode deals with that and, and addresses right. that. And, and, uh, makes that a, a, a heartwarming element, but, um, mm-hmm. well, in this, in you know, in, in this, this part here with the, with the, um, the sex part, I guess, right. Uh, you know, is also maybe it's making her more Xander like, cause as a, you know, hinting to that last episode of season four, when, you know, when his little dream of, you know, Tara and Willow, right. right. Yeah. And him, and he's like, Hey, and, and this is kind of showing like, you know, <laughs> Anya's been around him so long that, you know, they're becoming the same, 
<laughs> like most couples, right. like most couples do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, even yeah, even in even in Buffy versus Dracula, uh, Xander has that moment where he's like, uh, "Unless you want to tell me some naughty secrets about you, right. Tara, which I, I'd have exactly. to listen." Right. Yeah. Anyways, so just to, so speaking just to, of love, well, well, just to clarify before we go <laughs> yeah. on, because I I often get myself in trouble when I talk without thinking. I, I want to be clear. I I am not saying that nagging 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 gold digging women are. I want to be careful and say <laughs> that I feel like the show was overplaying its hand in that. Right. And I thought that that's what was annoying. Not mm-hmm. that Anya annoys me because she is a nag and that she is a gold digger. Right. But it felt a little overplayed. That's what I was saying. So, mm. <laughs> um, anyways, yes. Speaking of love. Yes. Or the lack of it. Or the lack of it. So, yeah. So at the very end, we get Riley and Xander you know, talking and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, now I'm trying to remember exactly what he says first. Uh, well, um, they're, well, they're talking about, um, Xander's talking about how he, he envies, uh, Riley sometimes just for uh, right. the, the clarity or whatever that they have. And, and all the things that Buffy does. Right. You know, but then the, you know, but, the, but despite that, you know, he says, I can't remember what comes right before it. He says, you know, but she doesn't love me. And, uh, um, you know, that's the big thing, which, which I think most people, you can, you can start to tell, you know, even with Dracula, especially right. She's so, so easily kind of turned away there. And, um, you know, I, I never, I never bought the Buffy Riley thing. (laughs) Period. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not a big fan. Not but, a uh, fan. Yeah. Um, but at least he finally is coming to realize it himself. So, so here's, um, I'll have plenty more opportunity as the series <laughs> goes on to, to take up for Riley. And I, I've probably said this before, but like my thing with Riley is not that I think he's the best fit for her. Although I guess maybe it's possible to make that argument, but he's the safest. He's the safest. Um, <laughs> my thing with him is that I feel like the character's uh, arc is tragic and I love tragic characters. And it mm-hmm. just, it sometimes bothers me when a character's uh, when a character storyline is tragic and um, the, the audience dismisses that character or basically is just like well good let the let the tragedy take that character sure. out of my show because i don't want to see him anymore I, it's I, it's a valid read everybody's allowed to like who they like or whatever but it, it just sometimes bothers me and so i see i tend to when that happens i tend to look back and find all of these examples or clues or whatever <coughs> excuse me little bits of uh of riley being like genuinely a a good guy. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's this, ep- it is this episode when they're riding in the car and she's telling him, can you please drive faster or whatever? Right. And she says, she starts to ask him, um, you know, would you have preferred it if, you know, whatever, if I'd been split or whatever. And he cuts her off mm-hmm. and he says, no, of course I wouldn't like that. And he's, he has the line being the slayer is part of who you are. You keep thinking, right. I don't get that. But like, there are plenty of examples. I think uh, showing us that Riley is genuinely like genuinely smart and a good guy mm-hmm. and he has his faults and he makes some dumb decisions going forward. But I just, I don't think I would ever 
die on the hill of I wish Riley had been her permanent boyfriend for the rest of the series. Right. I just I'm more of a fan of the character of Riley and I'm more Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it breaks my heart a little more the way the character has to go out than I feel like most fans. Most fans are like, "Yes, fine, get rid of him." <laughs> well, I mean, you're right in that he's he is the good guy, which is the you know going to be the big difference. You know, although right. you know all the others all have their good aspects. I you know, and it's it is funny that you know he is a tragic character and people dismiss him, while Spike is a tragic character. But everybody is, or you know, a lot of people are are happy about that. And I, I've probably been, you know, it's a hard choice to say, I guess, to make overall over over, if you put all twelve seasons together, you know, to say that I would probably be a Spike person. <laughs> it's not a hard you know? cho- it's not a hard choice for me i'm i'm so for... <laughs> i'm a spike fan all the way yeah but, um, and uh yeah. you know it, but it's funny because it's the same thing you know you've got um but i i guess i've identified more and one reason i would identify more with spike than riley it's tragic uh tragic because i've always been that way um since since childhood of uh rooting for that character that uh has unrequited love right yeah for and no option you know at least riley has her for you know a good season right yeah. you know and um you know but spike you know spike has this this uh you know longing that you know for a very long time and and really overall it's still never 100 percent you know reciprocated in the way that he wants it to be yeah know? yeah yeah and um so much so that he does what he does at the end of season seven. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a messy, tragic story he's got coming up. <laughs> right. And, uh, and then of course, um, you know, with, as, a, as, as the story continues, it's, uh, it's always very interesting, but I, you know, it's, I, I definitely, um, between Angel and Spike would pick Spike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For, you know, while Buffy may not have been that way, but that's okay. Well, at any rate, um, I, I, uh, I've said before that I actually had forgotten Riley even made it into season five <laughs> in, in high, now that we're in season five, I'm like, well, of course, yeah. of course he's still got, there's plenty of stuff with Riley still coming up. But mm. as we were getting closer to the end of season four, uh, a friend of mine who was watching the show for the first time, um, was, was a little bit ahead and had gotten into season five and made reference to Riley. And I was like, what? I thought Riley was done at the end of season four. Mm. Anyways, so, no, just but just the initiative <laughs> that, that shows how much I love the character Riley. I guess I forgot he was even yeah, still you, here. Yeah, forgot he was five. even there. It's, I mean, it's hard to remember when everything happens. Um, you know, if it's been that long, because I, mm-hmm. I, I I remember I didn't get to see season seven really when it was on TV. Oh yeah, uh, I think it was in grad school, and you know, stuff just goes away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun things like that go away. That's cool. <laughs> and I and I didn't watch Angel on TV really when it was on. I, I, I it was later before I got to watch all that all the way through. Um, so it's it's sometimes hard to remember when when things happened and what season is this. I mean, there's there's certain things that set each one apart, but yeah, um, you know, season six and seven probably stand out more for most people, but mm-hmm. uh, it depends. But you know, it's, they're totally different, and 
um, you know, part of that's the the network switch, which we have to get to as well. So. Yeah. When, uh, remind me when that happens. That's the that's end of season five. Five, huh? Yeah, between yeah. season five and six. Okay, I was w, just w, WB dropped them. That's right. I uh, I uh, I just had this chill uh, where I was like, oh god, did I skip over that? Have we? No, did no, we switch? And I didn't even mention it on the show. No, not yet. Because, yeah, yeah, that. it's because uh, that's probably when. I mean, I was, I was, I, I was in grad school for a long time, so I, <laughs> I was in grad school for seasons. Four, I guess season five was my first. I still watched that one, mm. and when it switched to UPN, I remember watching. So I think I watched season six probably on TV, but probably in my third or fourth year of grad school is when I kind of fell off watching it. But uh, um, you know, also my wife has no interest in the show at all. So oh wow, <laughs> I was always watching it on my own. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. But uh, yeah, it's it's season five when 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 they got kicked out yeah and then uh yeah stuff things change (laughs) which is funny because that's the you know the wb basically ended up now just makes a million buffies right (laughs) yeah and and it's like i think i think nikki said in that last episode you know but now they do what buffy did you know in an hour and five minutes (laughs) yeah exactly like on riverdale but it's uh but that really became their their thing it's yeah uh, well, to be fair, I think a lot of networks are trying to make Buffy, right? And have in been, the, have been for years. I still prefer Buffy. I mean, even though I watched most of them, uh, you know, I, I, I preferred Buffy's High School over um, over uh, Vampire Diaries High School any day. I've <laughs> I've never seen so many dances in my life. <laughs> I uh, did not. I. I think maybe I've seen two episodes of Vampire uh, Diaries. I didn't. In the uh, first, I, I think it's the first season or two. They have a, you know, they're having a dance every week. Oh wow! You know, some kind of different themed dance. Uh-huh. And I was like, what kind of high school is this? It's <laughs> insane. You know, that's that's most of that. I thought this was about vampires, not dances. Yeah. But you didn't miss much, don't worry. Okay, so I don't have to. <laughs> so, so my next podcast doesn't have to be a Vampire Diaries rewatch. No, because those exist. Uh, you know, or of course the Buffy. But it's interesting because when I one of the reasons I started my podcast when I did is at the time the only vampire related podcasts that were out were Vampire Diaries or Buffy. That's all there is. <laughs> you know, and still, I it's still the only one that's not focused on a series. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of one-off episodes and things like that. And that's how I kind of, another reason, you know, I was looking, listening for information and I would find like one episode of, you know, a history podcast that was about vampires. One, one episode of this that was about it, but, um, you know, everything else is vampire diaries and Buffy and true blood. True blood. I did watch true was, blood. Cause know. it was just ending, which it was, see, which I didn't, it took me a, a minute to recognize, uh, Evan, we just just Evan's okay <laughs> on what we do the show. right yeah just just Evan's fine yeah but uh you know to realize who she was because I never watched True Blood but I do watch Westworld so oh great yeah, no she great. is um okay mm-hmm. well so um is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about I don't think so I mean we we never really mentioned how you know but yes Toth splits Xander we I still think we never really said that. We did, yeah. But uh, w- you know, and, uh, um, and Willow puts them back together. But um, uh, but and it's also interesting about how you know once they're together, you know they they become pretty similar. 
Yeah, and Giles yeah, has that line. That He's clearly end, a bad yeah. influence on himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because once they're once they're together for more than five minutes, the the qualities seem to just match, and you do have two, but which is probably what Pete Anya's interest the most. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so same person. So I feel like almost every episode of this podcast, I make some reference to the spinoff show that I wish we'd gotten. I hadn't thought of this until just now, but yeah. imagine a spinoff with the two Xanders. Yeah, that'd be. I, I was going to say it would that would have been a great sort of odd couple kind of show, except that as you point out, the more time they spend together, the more they just they they basically are integrated, just not right. physically. <laughs> so exactly, yeah. And, um, I don't know. I don't the, know how many legs that show would add. And apparently, the, it's the it's the easy, easiest uh, spell probably that Willow ever does. <laughs> for, for real, for real. <laughs> Nothing even really happens. All it it's, all it uh, took was candle. Funny. All it took was candles and pretense. Yeah, <laughs> and a perfectly drawn pentagram. Right. That he was trying to draw during Anya's, uh, you know, escapades. <laughs> he was very careful about drawing that. He was. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Dax, thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah, no problem at all. I'm, I'm glad, like I said I at the top, it. you reached out a long time ago, and uh, and um, your name was on the list, so sure. you're, I've always yeah. had your name <laughs> in the document, but I had completely forgotten about it until you reached out again recently and said, hey, are you ever going to do that episode? <laughs> no, well, so, I, I knew you were getting close. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me, um, and um, I don't think we've talked about you being on any future episodes, but absolutely, anytime you want, just let me know. And um, Well, sure. I'll have to go back and look through and see what uh, what else I can, and, uh, what else I have opinions on. <laughs> an- Angel is in our future. Um, oh, great. Yeah, so. it's... Um, yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff there that I, I think I, really there, I think uh, there's stuff for a vampire historian to discuss in Angel probably. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, and Angel's another one where I, I kind of missed, you know, the whole, um, the whole Connor era. I kind of didn't see those <laughs> when they were on because I did start watching it on TV. I think, and then I missed because it, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely watched the first couple of seasons that were on at the same time. Right. You know, but I missed that whole whole season. I think with with a uh, you know Connor slash Pete, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a weird thing. It's the first time I noticed that, but uh, um, and it's a uh, it's it's pretty interesting. But um, yeah, yeah. Any any time, I will uh, gladly come back. Well, like I said, I will. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to your uh, your podcast site. Sure, but. Uh, Go. You can mention it again. Anything you want to pimp before we head sure, out? Sure. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So the, the basic websites. There's the vampirehistorian dot com where you can you can find the links. But um, I fairly try to stay fairly active on Instagram and uh, the Facebook. And sometimes it's different. On so on Instagram, you know, I have a collection. I have about sixty sixty two editions of Dracula. Damn. Um, which is nothing compared to the person I got a lot of them from who has over almost 800 editions. Oh my gosh. But I, but I did a little series, you know, of like Dracula editions, you know, cause I am a librarian. So I do a lot with books and, um, you know, things like that. So if people are interested in seeing those kind of things, I, uh, I do collect, um, but Texas is kind of a big place for uh, vampire scholars. So there are a lot of them down here in Texas. Wow. Who knew? Right. right. Yeah. So it's a, it's pretty interesting. And, um, but yeah, those, the, those are the main things I did. Well, um, what's, what's the, uh, what's that Instagram 
I'm, uh, I'm not on Instagram, so I don't know how it works. Do you I have a name or? It's. I think you can. It's just Instagram should be Vampire Historian, I think, or okay. the Vampire Historian, or Vamp Historian. It's either one of those. <laughs> Twitter. Okay. Twitter is Vamp Historian because it's too long yet. Yeah. Um. But uh. Um. But Instagram and, and Facebook is the Vampire Historian, I believe. So you can find either one of those. And um, like I said, I've been been doing news about what we do in the shadows right now because the. Uh, I think the series is just as good as the movie. Absolutely. And um, I love Matt Barry and the IT crowd was one of my favorite shows. So yeah. I'm really glad to, to, to see that go on. And um, so, yeah, the, either of those two places um, I, I have, an, there is another podcast out there that exists. It only has a couple of episodes, but if you're a Highlander fan, one of them is an interview with Adrian Paul. Oh, I am a Highlander so, and Adrian Paul fan. So um, it's that one is, it's still there. It's called behind the con. So it was a, supposed to be about conventions uh-huh. and um and uh so i but i went to one of his sword workshops nice that he does and um then when he came into town again we hung out for a whole night was, he, super nice guy he took me to dinner it was really nice and um we did a little interview there about his sword workshops and and what he's up to so that one's there but i i, I kind of do those con episodes as part of the vampire podcast anyway now so it's um not, that that one's kind of defunct, but the first episode is out there with Adrian Paul. So, if people are I, into Highlander, so. I will have to find that because I I was a big Highlander fan and I I loved the TV series. I love Adrian Paul. Yeah, it's a it's a, that was a really good, and he did do uh, one or two vampire roles in his day. So, really, and uh, and he's and he's been on Arrow this season, which I have not been watching, but yeah, I haven't watched that. I didn't know he was on that though. Yeah, just just this past just current season. Okay, which I think is the final season. Next year. Oh, next year is the final. Okay. They're doing one more after this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Dax, thank <laughs> too you. Too many shows. Thank you again. There, there really are. There are too yeah. many podcasts out there. I shouldn't make another one, but of course I will. Um. Anyways, yeah, of course. So uh, thanks again. And uh, thank you, no everybody problem. at home, for listening. Uh, you can find links to this and all of the past episodes at the website, conswithdead.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, if you do so, please rate us or write us a review uh, because there are too many darn podcasts out there. So anything you can do, any help you can give me would be appreciated. Um, if you have questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to share your thoughts on anything we've discussed, please join the conversation. You can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at conswithdead, or reach out to us on the Facebook group, uh, Conversations with Conversations with Dead People. Uh, next week, I believe I've got Stephanie Graves scheduled. I shouldn't say next week since I'm recording this stuff all out of sequence right now. So who knows when it's actually going to come out. I don't know when I'm publishing this episode. You may be listening to this in 2025. I have no idea. (laughs) The next episode, I believe Stephanie Graves is returning. Um, uh, We will be discussing episodes 504, Out of My Mind, and 505, No Place Like Home. So until then, grr-arg, everybody. Grr-arg. (laughs) Grr-arg.